Okay. Ephesians 5, please. Good evening. I'd like to compliment the ladies on the nice touch with pastor's wife this morning. That was tip of the hat to you. Nice way to send her off to her major family birthday party. I guess that's what they're going to be having. Good to see you all. It's also nice to know that you will put up with me once, and then the rest of the time we'll have Pastor Vanderhart. Isn't that good to know until the pastor is back? Ephesians 5. Are you there? Make sure you keep your Bible there in front of you or your device. back there at Ron to see if he's got his device ready. <laughs> I know, but you can look over at Laverne. She's got two or three of them on a regular basis. Yeah. During every message, she's clicking on things and clicking on things and showing me the Greek. <laughs> Whoever speaks up here better know that she's over there checking what's going on. Okay. Ready? Ephesians. We'll turn to five different passages, so make sure you keep your Bible there in your lap, ready to go. Ephesians 5, verse 8. You were sometimes, or in times past, before this, you were sometimes darkness, darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving or putting to a test what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are reproved, that are reproved, are made clearly seen, manifest, clearly seen, by light. For whatsoever doth make clearly seen, manifest, is light. Hmm. Sometimes when we study scripture, it's good for us to go back to what is called a hermeneutic, and that is to study the history background of everything else that makes that up, but to study the history background of what we're reading. You wouldn't do that with every message or every time you do a devotional of your own or in a group, but sometimes you will, and this is one of those times. So let's think to this. First of all, who wrote this historically? The Holy Spirit guided Paul. You're right. Paul, in the Spirit of God, did he know he was writing it? In the Spirit of God? Yes, he did. <clears throat> did he know who he was writing to? Yes, he knew who he was writing to. He was writing from a prison in Rome, but he was writing to a group of believers in far western Turkey in a little town, well, a pretty major town, called Ephesus. Did he have any idea that someday, 2,000 years later, a group of believers in Loveland, Colorado, would be reading the same thing. No, he did not. But God did. God put it here for a reason. All right? And who, who were these people? Well, they were Ephesians, and they were in this city that was um, dominated 
by unregenerates. Lost people who did not believe in any God whatsoever. They were philosophers, and they had, in their minds, ruled God out of existence, and there was no resurrection for them. They didn't care anything about God. But then the others were worshipers of God, gods other than Jehovah God. And those people around them, this band of believers, would have wiped them out if they could. Check the story in the book of Acts. They would have wiped them out if they could. Hmm. That band of believers. And then they were in an empire being ruled by some... Oh, back to that band of believers and those people that were worshipers of false gods. They were doing horrible, evil, vile, debauched, depraved things. So that Paul will tell them it's a shame to even talk about those. By the way, that's a good admonition to us today. Because so many of these things are a comparison to us. And it's going on all around us, is it not? Don't even talk about it. Don't mull it over in our minds. It will do you no good. And then there's this massive empire of government, government that is so much like those band of uh, false believers. They too are wretched. They too are debauched. Their governmental leaders are wicked as they can be. All you have to do is look back and do your history study of Claudius, Caligula, um, Nero. These are awful, awful people. And then the people under them in all the provinces around the Mediterranean Sea, these were wicked, awful, terrible, really bad people in need of God. That government will send a band of soldiers into Israel 2,000 years ago with a plan of annihilating all Israelis. They didn't kill 1,300. They killed tens of thousands just four years, four to six years after this book was written. Does all this sound familiar? Hmm. Does all this sound familiar? We can make lots of comparisons between Ephesus then and Loveland today, can't we? And the world today. It's right there. And what does, what does Paul tell these people as he's writing from prison? Go back to verse 8. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk. Keep this in the back of your thinking throughout the message. Walk as children of light. Hmm. So I thought it would be good for us in this message. And remember, over the last number of weeks on Sunday night, the pastor's been taking us through a study of perilous times. Hmm. By the way, he put an addendum on each one of those messages saying, but we're not supposed to be like that. Instead of like that, we are to be like this in every one of those. Perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, truth breakers, fierce. Went through all of those. And then the addendum was, don't be like that. Why? Because to another, to a group of believers, Paul wrote, you are light. So I thought it'd be good for us to go back and look at the light, to, to consider light as it pertains to the body of faith today in these perilous times. 
nothing I say will be new to you, but rather it'll be a refresher. It is meant for us to think it through again. It is meant for us to put it in our hearts again, let it well up in our hearts. Go to John, first point, John 1. Our first point is this. There is a light that brought us to Christ in the first place. Such a statement as that is a presumption that everybody in this room has trusted Christ as Savior. You're a blood-bought saint of Christ, and there's a day when that light came on in your heart. It was more than just a light out there that maybe somebody has, but you did not. No, you took it in, and you trusted Christ as your Savior. There's the light that brought us to Christ in the first place. Look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of John. In the beginning was the Word. We all know that that Word is Christ himself. We all know that Christ is the Word. The Word is Christ. He is God. God is the Word. He's the breath of truth to all men. In the beginning was the Word. Look at verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Hmm. Hmm. Let's go on to verse um, 5. And the light shined in darkness. The light shined in darkness. Look at verse 9. Key verse. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So now all you need to do is go back to the beginning of the, of the book, back to the beginning of this chapter, and say, how is that possible that every man is lit? Well, we're told in the first few verses, on the one hand, he's the creator of all things, and all men can see, can feel, can touch, can be uh, in, in their sensory self, can know that someone had to make this. He tells of himself in creation, the heavens declare the glories of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. He goes on to say, and no tongue needs to be used to tell man of God. And then he says, in the beginning was the word. Then there is also written revelation, and men have access to that if they want to go looking for it, if they'll accept it. And these days they have it on the airways. Everywhere you look, somebody is holding a phone in their hands, and they're staring at it and not staring at the road. They're staring at it and not the, the fountain in the mall that they're going to fall into. If they want to, they can bring that up right there. And that's where, well, that's where it started with us. There was a light that brought us to Christ in the first place. And we could go on and on about that point, but starting last week, for four days, we had a symposium on the truth of our wonderful gospel. This is an amazing faith that we have. A precious gospel that was given to us. And for four days, a brother in Christ came to us and took us through that light and the wonders of that light. So let's move on. <clears throat> Go to First Thessalonians. Thessalonians 5. There's the light that brought us to Christ in the first place. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunlight at noonday, the glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. 
Secondly, there's the light that guides our steps as we move through this life. We are on a sojourn, and the Bible has told us clearly, beyond having the light and being the light, we are also strangers and pilgrims here. That was true of the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, and the believers at Thessalonica, and the believers at Philippi, and the believers at Berea, etc., and Corinth, and so on and so on. They were light, we are light. And we are supposed to walk in that light. Um, Say this verse in your heart as I say it aloud. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have to turn the light on then. If our feet are going to go the right way, tomorrow and the next day, and next month, and as the years continue, as long as the Lord tarries, then we're going to have to turn the light on for our feet to know where to go. Uh, um, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as the thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail on a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Doesn't that harken back to the letter to the Ephesians? You're not darkness. You are light. Walk as children. Walk as children. Walk as children of light. You are not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Hmm. That, by the way, was one of the reasons for us to rehearse the letter to Timothy that Paul just took, or Pastor just took us through. The reason for us is to remember we are children of light, and therefore, the theology of light is the theology that ought to guide our steps. So that we understand that as we move through this life, God has given us the word to prepare us for everything. Let's go on. Verse um, 4. Ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. Ye are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be spiritually focused, sober. Let's get ourselves... It doesn't say somber. It is okay to be totally hilarious, to be fun and joyous, and that is showing the light out. So what does this word do for us? What do the scriptures do for us? As I'm walking in here, I meet Mike uh, Ruckel over here. And in conversation, he started talking about the fact that as he teaches his uh, college career class, he says, from time to time as I'm teaching, some nugget of truth that goes way back in my history comes to mind. All of a sudden I think of it, and he says, it comes out in the class. And he said, then another, then another, and next thing you know, I'm able to teach this class with parts that I never wrote on paper. This is essentially what he was saying. And you've experienced the same thing, haven't you? Because that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God works as we face the dilemmas of life. Some of us are in a dilemma right now. Some of our families are. They just don't know what's going on. They don't understand these things. The best place for them to go is to the light. And for us to encourage them in the light. What are some of these dilemmas? Well, there's the dilemma of ethics. You could say that the lost world around us have no ethics left. They are gone now. 
but not with the believer. Of everything that the Lord says to us, he said, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, those three, let's camp on those three. He says to think on those things. He says to understand that those true, honest, just, righteous, those things are in the word. And the more we intake of the word, the greater chance of us acting ethically in a totally unethical world. For us to say the truth all the time. We'll come back to that point in a little bit. The word of God, as we intake it, works when we come face to face with all the false philosophies that saturate this pagan world. It would be good for you to go home this evening or through this week to think of every false philosophy that has battered you in the last weeks and months. Do you realize how communistic our government is now? How socialistic it is? How completely that takes over our thinking? How in some cases we're going, what? Can't believe I thought that way. And the philosophies of this world are everywhere beating us down because Satan is the prince of power of the air, correct? And he infiltrates. He can't be everywhere. Uh, Shane and I were talking about this this morning, about the Satan. Satan trying to do this. Trying to, is Satan even here? He's not omnipresent, so is he right here in this room with us? I don't know. I don't think so. But I do know this. He dominates the entire culture. The way he is and what he puts out there dominates the culture, takes over the hearts and minds of every man. And if we don't watch out, the way this world does and the philosophies of this world will take over in our hearts. Let's be aware of that this week. Let's stop and think, how am I thinking? Let's stop and think, why did I do that? How do I go that way? Let's stop and be constantly aware of what the let me give you, for instance, have you heard this phrase? Well, we created this and we created that. And they created this and they created that. Guess what? There's only one creator. I found myself saying, well, they created it. No, they did not. Man can take what God created and manipulate it into something, and something pretty fantastic. They can engineer God's creation, but they cannot create. So don't say create. I created ever again. Don't. At least that's one. Be aware of the philosophies. The word of God also works when tragedy strikes. When sickness strikes. When something that we might consider just horrible takes over. We go to God's word. We stay in God's word. And God's word networks to help us through that. To help us understand why this is going on. We heard about suffering this morning. The whole message was on suffering, and one of the points is very, that's very important to us. We are appointed unto suffering. Peter wrote that to the believers. It's an appointment of ours. We're appointed to see him in his glory. We're appointed to be with him in glory. We're appointed to give the gospel. We're appointed to suffer for his namesake. And when we, when we grasp these things of, of the light of God's word, as the light takes over in our hearts, and these tragedies come up, these difficulties come up, these sicknesses come up, our church is ripe with, with people to pray for. We can't pray for them too much. But I think you'd be surprised at how many of these people that are going through these difficulties would rehearse with you what God has been doing in their heart 
as they go through this difficulty. And it might help you when you go through the next one because it's just a matter of time. We're appointed, okay? The word of God also works in us as light when persecution comes. The more we take in God's word, the better ready we are to face persecution. There are more persecuted people than us, by all means, around the world. Do you know what's going on in Myanmar or uh, used to be called Burma? Horrible things going on over there. Believers in the Stan countries in Central Asia, Central between Asia and the United States, the Stan countries, those people are in terrible persecution. We have a missionary here that's trying to help people that are under terrible persecution. And if they take the gospel back into their land and try to speak it out, they run the risk of dying. But the fact of the matter is they would take the light with them and the light that would help them through that uh, persecution. We have minor persecution here. Could it get worse? Yes, it could. We better have the light of God's word in our hearts. And could we face persecution in some scenario tomorrow, this week? As this month goes on, very well could happen. The light of God's word also helps us when... I really don't like this point. The light of God's word helps us when others that call themselves Christian defect and run away. I don't know what the other 11 disciples were thinking when all of a sudden Judas was not with them. There was no indication that they had any idea that that man was a defector. Hmm. No indication at all. But it didn't keep them from their purpose ultimately, and they did not become defectors. They met with Christ, and Christ infused them with light, and they continued to move in the light and move in faith. And that Paul talks about Demas forsaking him, having loved this present world. Hmm. Didn't stop Paul. He kept moving on. And later on, he glorified the Lord for the fact that Demas made a U-turn and got back with the Lord. The more of the light of God's word we have, the better we are in acting out God's word because the light is there. Just keep reading the Bible. Keep yourself in the word. Then go to Matthew 5. We have the light that brought us to Christ in the first place. We have the light that guides our steps as we soar into this life. Matthew 5 and verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into a mountain, and when he was set down, his believers from Hope Baptist, you put yourself in there. He put it here in the Bible for a reason. His disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. And you say, oh, I know what's coming next. It's the Beatitudes, and some of them you could quote verbatim. Well, we're not dealing with every one of those. We're going all the way down to verse 14. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. Hmm. So look at your slide up here. A Dr. Koskari is his name. I don't know who he is. I just saw this in, his, in a commentary by him. And he touched on, this is a message in itself on the darkness of the people around you. 
the people that you will move with tomorrow and this week, your neighbors. Yes, I see people taking a picture. Please feel free. Take a picture and search these scriptures out later. Dr. Koskari says, this is the darkness of the people we move with. And Jesus tells us, you are a light to them. They're in the darkness of ignorance. They're in the darkness of sin. They're in the darkness of misery. <laughs> By the way, that's one of the reasons they act the way they do. And they're not very nice to you. They're in misery. They can be very unkind. They're in the darkness of death coming. He that believeth not is condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. They're in the darkness of death. And unfortunately, they're headed to the darkness of hell. That is a good sermon right there. And it helps us to, to grasp this. Go back to verse 14. You are the light of the world. Our point is this. There is the light that we are to take to that dark world. In Loveland or on the other side of the ocean. Wherever we go to take the gospel to the lost people around us. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and verse 14. You are the, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Oh, and by the way, he says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. That's foolish. Don't light the candle then. Don't even bother. No, put it on a candlestick and it gives light to all around. Uh, just think of yourself and the situation you might be in this week. Who knows? I don't know if I have the time, but I'm going to give you a little illustration because oh, I've been wanting to tell somebody this. I think I've only told my wife. I don't know if I even told her. I'm on this, what is called a tank battery. It's oil field tank battery. It's a very high tech thing this, these days. It is very high tech. It's way over my head. I get there and there's only one other guy there and he is an uh, engineer. So now he's way over my head. And I get out to do the job that he, he called me to please come and do. I'm trying to make this brief. And it's going to mean I've got to get up on top of this tank. I have a row of uh, 15 tanks, maybe. I've got to get up on top of this one. So we're talking, and something came up that I thought, you know what? His name is Alan. First time I ever met that man. I don't know if I'll ever see him again. I said, Alan, hold on. I go to my truck. I pull out one of our little CR code. What do you call it? QR code? QR code. I said, you need to take this, click on it during lunch, and find out what you need. I said, you notice that it says amazing grace? This is all about amazing grace. Oh, well, I'm supposed to be at work and he's supposed to be at work. That would not tactfully be the right time for me to take him to the gospel. But that little card will. So I run up on top and I'm up there. I have to put a harness on. I'm up there just working away, working away, working. All of a sudden, here's Alan. <laughs> what are you doing up here? He says to me this. He said, I went to church as a little kid, and he said I became so conflicted because they told me there was some creator, some intelligent creator that created all things. He said, but then I'd go to school, and tell, they'd tell me that I evolved. This guy is a millennial age. He said, they told me, I, I said, I, he said, I just don't, I, I don't know which is which. Oh, Alan, you just set yourself up, buddy. I'm going to keep working, but you're going to hear the gospel. Poor Alan, he's right there. I certainly hope Alan knows Lord and Savior right now. Because that gospel was 
right there in the little cart. So Jesus said, you are to be a light. Put your light out there. But then, now I'm going to read verse 16. And as I'm reading, I will stop and you'll please read to me the next two words. Next two words only. Are you with me? Verse 16. Jesus is talking to you, Hope Baptist Church. What's your church name? That's too long for me to remember. <laughs> that church too. <laughs> Can you say it in whatever, in Armenian? No, not only. Your church too. Everybody, listen to this. Get ready. You're going to read the next two words. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your, say it, good works. Do we understand that the infusion of God's word into our hearts should bring good works out in us? And those are of at least two different types. The things that we do for people physically, our neighbors, helping them out, co-workers, helping them out. The people that we meet, that we do something physically for them, that we help them. We help them if they need food. We help them if they need a ride. We stop by the hospital and check on them when they're sick. We help them move in. We help them move out. The physical things that we do are good works, and they go, wow, nobody ever does this. I had a friend call me from Florida this last week. He said, you know what happened to me? He said, I went to pick, he's a very well-to-do man. <laughs> I went to pick up my car. It had been uh, valeted for me. Valet, what does that mean? He said, and they said, we lost your key. So he said, the, the manager said, I'll take you home and we'll keep looking for your key. So he said, I got in the car, we drove home. As we're getting there, this is a believer, a brother in Christ down in Florida. He said, the manager said to me, do you know what? This has happened before. We've never had anybody that didn't blow up in our face. He said, all you said was, well, this is what God might want. And he said, then when you got out of the car, you said, thank you for the ride home. <laughs> we lost the key to your very expensive car. And you were show. I said, I'm getting ready to speak in our church out here in Loveland. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use you as an example. That was a good work. That was a good work. Go back to that term, that thing about ethics. That is the other phase of this. They see that you don't lie. They see that you're on time. They see that you work when you're there. By the way, they also see if you're kind to them in the midst of uh, the stresses that go on in the workplace because they just can't think right. They don't have the Holy Spirit within. So they bring stress all the time to you. And you're going, and it's so much better for them to see your good works. That is the light of the gospel showing out to them. And then one of these days, they say to you, okay, what is this with you? And the Bible tells us clearly, be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that's within you, because they don't have it. They really, really need that hope. So there's the light that brought us to Christ in the first place. There's the light that guides our steps through life. There's the light that we are to shed upon to a lost world that is in darkness. Last one. Revelation 22. 
Revelation 22. Verse 1. Are you there? Revelation verse 1 of chapter 22. And he, 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 who is he? If you go back a chapter, you would find that one of the seven angels, this is so amazing to me, one of the seven angels with vials of wrath of God that are about to be poured out in that great day. I don't know what he did. Did he keep his vial with him or did he set it down? I don't know. But he leaves the rank of seven angels. And he goes and gets John and takes him on a tour. Holding his vial? I don't know. Will the vial still be dumped out? Yes, it will. But he comes to John and it says, he, that angel, one of the seven angels, showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there a the, the tree of life. Remember that from Genesis? Which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yield her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Please explain that to me. Now we see through a glass darkly. We'll understand better by and by. Verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That would be us. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on and on their foreheads. I can't wait. As far as he's concerned, the name's already there. And our name is graven in his hands. Hmm. Verse 5, key verse. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. There's the light that brought us to Christ in the first place. There's the light that guides our steps through life as it networks in our hearts and builds up and builds up, and he takes it and uses it when he wants. There's the light of the glorious gospel that we give to a lost world, and then there's the light of heaven forevermore. Just can't wait. Let's stand for prayer. Let's take a few moments to pray silently. Somehow, the Spirit of God worked in your heart about the scripture. Then I will close the prayer. Father God, we thank you for the light of the glorious gospel to us. We thank you how precious that gospel is.
We thank you for giving us, leaving us this word behind, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for taking it to our hearts and building us up in the most holy faith. We thank you for those you put us in touch with, even this coming week, and you know better than we do. You know what we will face and who we will meet. We thank you for the gospel and the boldness to take the gospel to lost people around us. We thank you that one day we will see you in your glory, the beautiful light of heaven. Bless these folks as they go their various ways. Every one of them will move in a circle of influence and among people that they can share the gospel with. Give them safety. We do want to pray for the pastor and wife as they're away. Give them a wonderful time. And bless our fellowship as we close this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed. Thank you.